This is Foothill Family Church with Mike Webb. Building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word. So, let's talk about those four steps again. Let's go through the first two real quickly. We've uh, gone through those the last two weeks. Number one, decide. Here's the first step to answered prayer. Praying the prayer of faith. Decide what you want from God. And find the scriptures that promise you those things. Then the second part of that, still part of the first step, but a, the, an ancillary part of that step is meditate on those scriptures and get them down on the inside of you so you can be ready to use them against the devil when he comes because he will come at you. Step number two, we talked about that last week. Ask God for the things that you desire and believe that you receive them when you pray. Now, step number three is what I want to talk to you about this morning. And that is very simply, keep your heart from doubt. Now, look with me over to Philippians chapter four. It says, be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. So he's talking about prayer, isn't he? Be careful for nothing. He says, don't worry, don't be anxious, don't, don't, don't fret about anything. That has to do with your thought life. He's saying, guard against worry. But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. Now notice verse 7. He says, and the peace of God, which passes understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. In other words, peace comes by thinking the right things. Peace comes by avoiding worry, thoughts of worry. Verse 8. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think. Notice the Bible tells you to think. Think on these things. Now, folks, I want us to just make one, one simple statement for you to consider. If God tells you what not to think and tells you what to think, but doesn't give you the ability to think in line with what is, He's instructing you, then He's unfair and He's unjust and we need to throw the Bible away. If He doesn't give you the power, the strength, the ability. You see, ever, you'll have people say this. Talk to people about not worrying. Oh, Pastor Mike, I, I don't want to worry. I just don't, I just don't have the power not to. Well, of course you do. A lot of people just try to cop out and say they can't so that they don't have to try. Well, I just can't control my thoughts. The devil is just bringing thoughts to my mind. I know they're him, but I just can't control them. Of course you can. Don't give me that. God wouldn't tell you what to think if he didn't give you the ability to think it. Now, folks, why is this so important? It's so important because the devil tries to influence your actions by your thoughts first. Please understand Faith grows in the soul, not the spirit. It's thinking faith thoughts and speaking faith words that bring the heart out of defeat and into victory. The devil is trying to influence your words and your actions through your thoughts. Whether you know it or not, the mind is the gateway to the spirit. For example... Romans chapter 10 tells us, Paul said that with the heart man believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation, right? So we know then that faith is of the heart, it's of the spirit. Yet he goes on to say in about verse 14 of Romans chapter 10, he says that how can a man believe if he hasn't heard? In other words, you have to hear with the natural ear so that it brings understanding to the human mind so that the spirit can choose to believe. That's why the devil tries to operate in your thoughts. He doesn't have access to your spirit. He only controls the, tries to control the gateway to your mind. 
through your thought life. If he can influence your thoughts, then he can influence which way your spirit goes. He can influence whether your spirit exercises its will to do what the Bible says or exercises the will to do something else. Now here's something else you need to know about thoughts. Thoughts are governed by observations, associations, and teachings. So if you're going to stay in faith, if you're going to maintain a position of faith, then you're going to have to not only control your thoughts, you're going to have to control what you observe, you're going to have to control who you associate with or what you associate with, and you're going to have to control what teaching you allow to come come into yourself. Let me show you what I mean by this. Associations is a lot of times the, the real key on that, and, and people kind of resist on that. Let me, let me tell you what I mean. Association just means contact with. You go walking down the mall and you come to a Miss Fields cookies, and boy, you start smelling those hot cookies coming out of the oven. What's the first thought you have? Cookie. Man, wouldn't it be good to have one of those cookies? They smell so good. Were you thinking about cookie before you smelled them? That's what I'm talking about. The devil uses circumstances brings you in contact with circumstances to influence your thought in an attempt to influence your will. Now, if eating cookies was evil, and it's not, <laughs> but if eating cookies was evil, look at how he's trying to, it would be trying to influence you to evil just through one of your five physical senses. That's exactly what happens with a lot of times a lot of people. That's one of the reasons that pornography is such an issue and such a, uh, such a difficult thing. Because pornography is first intended by the, by the reader or by the, the, the viewer. It's first intended for just personal stimulation. But then when the more you associate with it, then the more it affects your thought life. And then sooner or later, you should keep up with it. Sooner or later, it'll affect what you say. It'll affect what you do, what you act on. Folks, the devil only has one way to operate against you, and that's through your thoughts. That's the only thing he can do. That's why he brings circumstances to you to influence your thoughts. Now, remember what step number three is? Keep your heart from doubt. Keep your heart from doubt. What makes the difference between a thought in your mind and doubt in your heart? Because, see, here's the place where the devil will bring condemnation to people. He'll bring a wrong thought to you and then tell you it was your thought. And then people that are standing in faith, they'll feel condemned. They'll say, oh, I've blown it now because I've thought the wrong thing. Well, folks, there's a big difference in your thought and his thoughts. Your thought only becomes yours when you say it. Or I'm sorry, I should say it this way. A thought that comes to your mind only becomes yours when you speak it. Remember Jesus said in, uh, what is it, Mark chapter, uh, Matthew chapter 6 or 7, I'm not sure where it is. But Jesus is talking about how uh, don't take, uh, don't worry about what you wear because God clothes the, the lilies of the field that don't even live and don't even last. He clothes them even more beautifully than, than Solomon was arrayed. And he said, don't take any, don't worry about what you're going to eat because God provides for the birds of the air and stuff like that. You remember the story that Jesus told? Jesus went on to say something very, very interesting about that. He said, therefore, take no thought saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink? For your heavenly Father knows you have need of all these things. What's he saying? What's he telling us? He's telling us it only becomes a matter or a part of your heart when you speak it. Remember, faith is exercised by the words that you say. The devil's whole purpose is to influence your thoughts, to influence your speech. If he can get you thinking the wrong things so that then you become begin to say the wrong things, he can nullify your prayers. That's why Jesus warned us so specifically about 
and shall not doubt in his heart. This is what James chapter 1 is talking about when he speaks of the double-minded man. He talks about asking for wisdom, but he said, let, ask, let the man ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavers is like of the wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. He said, let not that man think, the man that wavers, the double-minded man, is unstable in all of his ways. He said, let not that man think that he shall receive anything from the Lord. What's he saying? What's he telling us? He's telling us that it's one thing to say the word of God when we believe and pray. It's another thing if we say contrary or speak contrary to that after the prayer is made. He's saying that's doubt in your heart. That's the thing that keeps your prayer from being answered. Is this making sense? I know what I'm trying to say, but I, 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 a lot of times I don't know if I'm getting it across. The devil is trying to work overtime to bring you to a place of speaking against God's Word, the very Word that you based your prayer on. Look with me over to Hebrews chapter 3. Hebrews chapter 3. The writer of the book of Hebrews, I believe it was Paul, but whoever it is, is inspired by the Holy Spirit. And he uses an Old Testament example to warn us not to follow their, their path of destruction. Hebrews chapter 3. Notice verse 12. He said, take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. Now, folks, I want you to understand, first of all, he calls them brethren, so these guys have to be saved. You wouldn't call the unsaved brethren. If he was talking about Jews, just the Jewish nation, if this is Paul, for example, and he's just talking about other Jews, he would just say fellow Jews. He would call them brothers. So the fact that he calls them brethren means these people have made Jesus the Lord of their lives. And notice what he says. He says, you Christians, take heed that there be no evil heart of unbelief in you. So what does that tell us? That tells us you can be saved and still have an evil heart of unbelief. Now that doesn't mean you hate God. That doesn't mean you've lost your salvation. That doesn't mean that you've said, oh, I, I, I never wanted to be saved to begin with. It doesn't mean all those things. The devil will try to bring thoughts and push you to extremes. He's just saying, make sure you stay in faith. Well, in what? In everything. That means we're going to have to keep our mind renewed to the Word. We're going to have to think God's thoughts. We're going to have to speak God's Word. What is the evil heart of unbelief that he's talking about? He's talking about when the Jews passed up on the promised land. The story is told to us in Numbers chapter 13. It's where Moses sent the, sent the, um, uh, the twelve spies into the land of Canaan. They came back, and man, they brought back some of the biggest fruit that anybody had ever seen. Much better than anything they'd ever seen in Egypt. They brought back a cluster of grapes that was so big they had to put it on a pole between two guys to carry it. Nobody had ever seen anything like that. They brought back pomegranates that were bigger and juicier and, and better than anything that they'd ever witnessed before. It was definitely the proof that the land of Canaan was the land that flows with milk and honey. They agreed to that. Everybody agrees to that. Caleb and Joshua said, let's go take this land. But the ten spies, ten of the twelve, came back. The majority report, folks, I want you to understand, most of the world isn't going to operate in faith. Most of the church world is not going to operate in faith. Even those that operated in faith to get saved are going to ha operate in this evil heart of unbelief when it comes to other areas. They're going to yield to the devil's thoughts and be conformed to the world and be robbed of the blessings of redemption. Will they go to heaven? Sure. They'll just miss out on some of heaven here. So what did they do? The ten spies came back and said, Oh yeah, all the land is good. It's, it's fruitful and everything. But we've got a real problem. The problem is there are giants in that land. 
Those giants are there, and, and man, they've got cities, great big cities, and they've got great big walls around those cities. Man, that's a tough place. They're stronger than we are. All those were observations. They're just stating the facts. At that point, they haven't done anything wrong. There are giants in the land. There are cities with big walls around them. That's when Caleb and Joshua said, let's go up at once and take it, for we're well able to do it. But the ten spies said, we be not able to do it, for they are stronger than we are. They even went into the description about we're grasshoppers. They see us as grasshoppers and we see us as grasshoppers. Now, 40 years later, they find out that the people were scared of them when they got there. The ones that they said saw them as grasshoppers were really afraid if these people come against us. We heard what they did to Egypt. We heard what happened in the Red Sea when God parted the Red Sea for them. What match are we for them? Yet Israel, the ten spies, saw themselves as grasshoppers, and so they spoke. This evil heart of unbelief that entered into them was when they said that they couldn't do what God had said they could. The evil heart of unbelief has, therefore, to be the same thing today as it was back then. When you say you can't, when the Word says you can. When you say you, you won't have, when the Word says it's already yours. When you speak contrary to God's Word, that's the evil heart of unbelief that the Bible warns us against. That's why the devil tries to influence your thoughts. He's trying to influence your words because he's trying to influence your actions. He's trying to get you thinking contrary to the Word so that you speak contrary to the Word so that you act contrary to the Word. Why? Because that robs you of the blessings of God. Now what are we going to do instead? Meditate constantly on those scriptures that you found in step number one. Meditate, meaning say continually what the Bible says is yours. Join Mike Webb and Foothill Family Church every Sunday night at 6 p.m. for our weekly healing school. Healing school is for those who are in need of being healed from sickness in their body, as well as those who want to strengthen their faith in the area of healing. But healing school is not a a healing uh, crusade. We're here week after week after week. Healing evangelists a lot of times can come in, blow in, blow up, and blow out. People come, have hands laid on, you get some results, some miracles type things will take place, but then not everybody receives, and then afterwards the healing evangelist is gone, and we're left with the people that didn't get anything. What happened? What's wrong with me? That's not what these healing school services are. This is healing school. That means we're here week after week after week. We're going to deal with the same thing next week that we dealt with last week. The person that comes tonight and for whatever reason doesn't receive their healing, we're going to be here next week to help you to get it. Again, that's Healing School each Sunday night, led by Pastor Mike Webb at 6 p.m. For directions and more information, go to MikeWebb.tv. Foothill Family Church, building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word. See yourself with the answer and make plans accordingly as if the answer was already a reality. You know why a lot of people fail? They make plans to fail. The Bible says to do the opposite. It says make plans to succeed. Make plans as if God's answer was already yours. If you had the answer in hand, ask yourself, what would I do if it was in hand now? If it's money, if it's finances that you're believing for, what would I do if I had the money now? See, a lot of people wait to get happy after it comes. I would submit to you that you better get happy before you see it. If you want to see it, get happy first. 
So ask yourself, what would I do if I had the answer now? Proverbs chapter 4, look at, uh, look at verse 20. We'll start with that. It says, my son, attend unto my words. That just simply means keep the word of God first place. If you attend to certain business, that means you're doing it first thing. That means that's of greatest importance to you. Make the word the most important thing in your life. Ask yourself in every situation, what does the word say? Yeah, okay, we may find out what everybody else says. Then I will make sure that you hear what everybody else thinks about it. What does the Bible say? What does God's Word say? Folks, the Bible is either the Word of God or it's a lie. There is no middle ground. It claims to be the Word of God. So if it's not, we need to burn the book. Talking to a guy the other day, he said, Well, I believe there's truth in the Bible. I said, So in other words, you don't believe it. Well, I believe there's truth in the Bible. So what part's true and what part's not? Well, you know, it was written by men. And I said, well, yeah. And? He said, well, since it was written by men, you know, people just get together and they write things that they want. It's kind of like history. The one that wins the war writes the history of it. I said, are you crazy? <laughs> he said, what do you mean? I said, literally. I, I said, I said this to him. I said, find me any part of the Bible that's not true. Well, and, oh, I love this part. Well, you know, it's full of contradictions. Show me one. Oh, well, I don't know. You know the Bible better than I do. You should be able to find them. I said, I do know the Bible better than you do. I know it's true. I know it's the Word of God. You're doing this cop-out thing. Yeah, well, the Bible's got some truth so that you can feel good about your wisdom. Oh, yeah. Well, I believe it's got some truth. But you know, it was written by man. Who else is God going to use? Would you believe it if Balaam's donkey wrote it? (laughs) Come on. Folks, the question is, is it what it claims to be? It says it's the Word of God. If it's the Word of God, it should be adhered to. It should be followed. It should be the number one thing that we're concerned with. My son attended to my words. Incline thine ear unto my sayings. That means listen to what the Bible says. You're going to have all kinds of opportunities to hear what other people say about things. But incline your ear to His sayings. I, you know the Bible says, Paul said this to the Romans, he said, let God be true and every man a liar. Folks, I don't care if I'm the only one left standing on the face of the earth that believes the Word, I'm still going to believe the Word. Yeah, I remember the times when I was a teenager and I was concerned about, well, what are my friends going to think? None of those friends turned out to be anything anyway. Who cares? I'm embarrassed that I knew most of those people now anyway. <laughs> and those were the ones I was worried about. Who? What are they going to think about me? Who gives a rip what somebody else thinks about me? The question is, what's true? Oh, but they'll, they'll think I'm some religious fanatic. Yeah, and? Now, while they're on welfare and food stamps, God's blessing me. What do I care what they think I am? They're having surgery after surgery after surgery, and I'm walking in health. Should I really care what they think about me? Incline thine ear unto my sayings. My son attended my words. Incline thine ear unto my sayings. Keep them. Folks, please notice the word keep. Keep them. That denotes effort. That denotes that there's going to be something to try to take it from you. Keep them in the midst of your heart. That's another way of saying what Jesus said. Shall not doubt in his heart. Don't doubt in your heart. Yeah, but but it just looks like it's not working, Pastor Mike. That's when you need to keep saying it. 
Yeah, but everything, every circumstance, everything points to my prayer not being answered. That's why you need to stand on the Word and the Word alone. There have been times where I've told the Lord, Father, if I was going by anything that I saw, I'd have to say that this wasn't working. Which means I've only got your Word for it. I'm happy with that. Now, I made the statement earlier. I'll get to this, back to this in just a moment. But I made the statement earlier. Most people never think this through enough to, to really understand this. Faith grows in the soul, not in the spirit. Faith grows in the soul. Your spirit is always ready to believe God. There's no growth involved in that. Well, where does faith, how does faith grow? We know faith grows because Paul told the Thessalonians that their faith was growing exceedingly. So faith has to grow. How then does faith grow? Faith grows by experience, the experience of recognizing the experience of coming to the reality that when you stand on the Word, even when it contradicts the circumstances, you see the answer. So the next time it comes, you're stronger in your thought life to focus on the Word. You're stronger in your willingness to confess the Word. We said it before. It's thinking faith thoughts and speaking faith words that bring the heart out of defeat and into victory. You grow in the experience of here's how it works. The devil says that it won't work and God's Word comes through when you hold fast to it. That's where faith grows. Faith grows in confidence in the soul. You gain more confidence the more you act on the Word of God and the more you see it come to pass in your behalf. It's not something that grows on the inside. It's something that grows with your mind. You Think of it like this. You remember when you first got filled with the Holy Spirit? You started speaking in tongues and man, the first voice that came to your head was, that is crazy. First month you spoke in tongues, your mind is starting to bother you. You know, it's like, I don't know what's going on. Your mind's used to being in control. It doesn't like relinquishing that control. Because speaking in tongues comes from your spirit, not your head. Your head is involved in other things when you're speaking in tongues. And, 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 and your head gives you a lot of trouble with that. But over time, your head gains a little bit of experience. Kind of like, well, okay, this is where I can shut off. I'm not involved here. So it doesn't give you the same the same problems. It doesn't give you the same resistance that you had before. In other words, you're gaining experience with spiritual things. When you gain experience in faith, your head gives you less trouble than it does when you first start off. You have a fewer you have fewer and fewer resistant thoughts. The devil knows he's not going to talk you into thinking, well, that's not going to work. You've seen it work. So he has less and less influence in your thought life. So there's less and less pressure for you to say something contrary to the Word. That's how you grow in God. That's how you grow in faith. That's how you grow in anything of God. Act on it. The doer of the Word is blessed in his deed. Those of you that believe God for finances, can, can anybody talk you out of God providing for you? Any of you that have seen the blessing of tithing work in your life, can you, you let anybody talk you out of that? Yeah, but there are people that preach that that's an Old Testament thing. <laughs> Let them preach away. I don't care. People come and say, oh, that faith stuff doesn't work. Really? Sure enough. <laughs> Who can talk you out of it when you've experienced it for yourself? That's how faith grows. And it's here. It's in the soul. Your will becomes more in tune with the Word of God and with your own spirit instead of the things that the world does. Now, it may seem like when you start off, it may seem like you're never going to get there. 
I'd hear Brother Hagin talking about standing in faith about things, and man, I was just believing for a pair of socks. And I'm having trouble with the socks. And I'm thinking, man, I'll never get to where he is. But you will. You will. Just be a doer of the Word. Brother Hagin used to make a statement. Uh, it used to just floor me. He said, if you don't go further in faith than I do, I'm going to come back and get you. <laughs> I used to think, well, he knows everything about faith. I know nothing about faith. How's that going to work? But I see what he's talking about now. Because, see, you can learn from other people's experience. You don't have to experience it just on your own. You can use the benefit of other people's experience and continue to grow and grow and grow. Use that as stepping stones. Even what we look at now as faith failures, they're still steps to success. Things that I believed for and it didn't work, I see exactly why it didn't work now. So that when I'm tempted in the same area, when the devil comes and brings the same thoughts to me now, I think, oh, sir, you robbed me once. You're not going to get me on that again. So even what we think are failures at the time become steps to success. If we'll put the Word of God first. My son, attend unto my words. Incline thine ear unto my sayings. Let them, my words, not depart from before thine eyes. Keep them in the midst of thine heart. Now, I want you to notice verse 21. It's talking about keeping something, keeping the Word of God in the midst of your heart. And it tells you how. The way you keep the Word of God in the midst of your heart. In other words, the way you stay in faith. The way you keep your heart from doubt is that you see yourself with the answer. Let them, my words, not depart from before your eyes. See yourself with the answer. See yourself with the answer. God created man to think in pictures. If I say the word house, you immediately think of your house. You see the picture of your house. Well, the picture of your house is not the picture that I see when I say the word house. We see different pictures. We see pictures based on our experience. God made man to think in pictures. When the devil comes and he says, oh, you're going to lose your job, what do you do? You see yourself getting fired. You don't just think, oh, they're going to fire me. You see the picture of getting fired. When the devil tells you you're not going to make it, what do you see? You see the picture of failure. You see the picture of yourself dying or whatever it is, if you're believing for healing, whatever the case is. You see the picture. You've got to think in pictures. That's why the Word of God is spirit and life. It gives you the picture of life and victory. That's why you've got to keep meditating on the words that you found and decided what you wanted from God. The scriptures that you based your prayer on. Continue to meditate on those things. See yourself with the answer. The major condition of faith is to keep our heart from doubt. That's a very important issue, and it's something that's very simple once you understand the principles. Come join us at Foothill Family Church as we walk in faith together. Join Mike Webb and Foothill Family Church every Sunday night at 6 p.m. for our weekly healing school. Healing school is for those who are in need of being healed from sickness in their body, as well as those who want to strengthen their faith in the area of healing. She said, uh, I saw the advertisement for healing school, so we came that night. And she said, I'm, I'd been diagnosed with uh, multiple sclerosis, MS. And she said, uh, uh, I came up to you after the service, and, and I was just sure that you were going to lay hands on me and pray for me when I told you what the situation was, and, and you didn't do it. Well, that sounds like me. She said, you sent me back to the bookstore to get some materials on healing. Well, that sounds like me, too. And she said, I was really disappointed. 
I thought, oh my goodness, my chance to be healed is gone. She said, but I, I did what you said. I went back and I got the book that you told me to. And you had also referred me to the website and told me about some of the messages and different things that I could download and listen to and, and so forth. And she said, the Word of God has changed my life. She said, now I'm filled with the Holy Ghost. I understand what belongs to me. She said, I'm, I believe I received my healing. I'm standing in faith for my healing. And she said, and even though I don't go by what it looks like, my symptoms are starting to diminish. Well, why? Because you put the word first. Again, that's Healing School each Sunday night, led by Pastor Mike Webb at 6 p.m. For directions and more information, go to mikeweb.tv. Foothill Family Church, building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's word.